Lord, we give the glory to the Almighty God for sparing our lives to be here today amidst the tempestuous seas that appear to be witnessed across the globe. The Lord has continued to be faithful unto us. This morning, the topic that we shall be examining is our citizenship is in heaven from where we look for the Savior. We will look at Philippians where we just read chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and we start. Our topic is taken from verse 20. Therefore, a greater appreciation of that verse of Scripture. We will be going a bit further into that particular chapter of the Scripture so as to appreciate why our citizenship is in heaven, where our Savior is, where we must all aspire to be. So quickly, I, uh, can somebody help me to read from the third verse of that scripture? Philippians chapter 3, read from verse 3. If somebody is there, then uh, somebody help us. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him, in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet 
to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before and now, say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Our citizenship is of heaven. It's in heaven from where we look for the Savior. I think we will start. It will be a disservice to not to look at citizenship and the purport of what it confers on us. Even as people who stay on earth. So citizenship, I would say, is a status of a person that is recognized under the customs or the law as being a member of a state. And that is why we say that somebody who does not have the citizenship of any state is a stateless person. This idea of citizenship it began from, we can trace it to the early Greek city-states where distinctions were made between slaves and citizens. So citizens are conferred certain rights over and above those who are considered slaves. It was the same up to the time of the, of the, the Roman Empire and even up to the Middle Ages in Europe. It is still a symbol that recognizes the membership of a person in an emerging nation states. In modern democracies, citizenship, despite its varied conceptions, confers certain rights, freedoms, you know, and protection under the law. It confers um, privileges. It confers status onto those who are citizens of certain places. That is why people talk of American citizenship, people talk of British citizenship, sometimes they travel without visas, they get in and out at will. And in Nigeria, it, it is also the same thing. But this right that is attached to citizenship, that has that protection, 
appears to be what informed St. Paul when he was arrested in cause of the gospel. I think with Silas. And they were beaten and thrown into jail without trial. So later they were asked to be released. And he said no. Uh, being a Roman citizen, he was entitled to certain rights and to be treated with decency. And so they couldn't have thrown him into jail, beating him up, and without trial. And they now want to release him in secret. If you read Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, particularly from verses 37 to 38, you'll see that story. So that means that we have some gains that are conferred by the fact of citizenship. In Nigeria, our chapter 3 of the Nigerian Constitution provides for Nigerian citizenship. And when you go to chapter 4, you see a plethora of rights and freedoms that are conferred on those who are citizens. And indeed, everyone. Right to life, right to conscience and religion, right to um, freedom of speech, fair trial, fair hearing, and all that. Right against discrimination. These are plethora of rights that are guaranteed as fundamental rights by that document. Which shows that even in, in this world, at the secular level, there are gains that are attached to citizenship. How much more? That's of heaven. The citizenship of heaven. If we can gain all this by the mere fact that we are, we are somebody is an American citizen, he is exempted from certain things, he is accorded certain respect, what of the citizenship of heaven? That is why, brethren, in First Corinthians chapter 2, particularly at verse 9, he said that eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of men the things which God had prepared for those that love him. How wonderful it will be when we are let into what God has prepared for all those who have prepared themselves for the citizenship of that great city of heaven. He reveals them though by his spirit to those who have prepared themselves, to those who are committed to his service. And so what qualifies for the citizenship? What qualifies one for the citizenship in heaven? There must be qualifications that we must have. There must be certain conditions that we must comply with for us to be entitled to that citizenship. Even at earthly level, it is not quite automatic. For instance, in Nigeria, even if you are a Nigerian by birth, or even if you are born in Nigeria, it does not automatically grant you the citizenship. As provided in section 25, for instance, of our constitution. You must, for instance, be born by a Nigerian citizen. And one of your parents or grandparents must belong to a community that is indigenous to, the, to Nigeria for that. And if you are not a Nigerian but you want to apply for registration as a Nigerian citizen, there are also conditions that you meet. You must be a person of good character. You must have been of full age and responsibility. 
must have lived in Nigeria for a while and shown that you know you are interested. If you're a woman that's not a Nigerian, then you must be married to somebody who is a Nigerian. If in any event you want to be a Nigerian citizen by naturalization, you have to also satisfy the president of Nigeria that you are of good character, you have lived in Nigeria for a while, and you have sufficiently assimilated yourself with the way the people of Nigeria live, particularly that part of Nigeria to which you want to now reside. So these are conditions. But basically with citizenship of heaven, it appears to be more individualistic. It's a personal disease, personal race. It, does not, it is not predicated on the fact, for instance, that uh, one's father has been, is a Christian, or one's mother is a Christian, or one's grandparents are Christians. No. Or that they are church leaders or church elders. No. It is the individual, and it is predicated on the individual race. It's an individual affair. It's a decision that the individual must make to embark on such a race to be conferred with that citizenship. And I concede that perhaps the first starting point is to acknowledge the immense love of God. The immense love of God on us. In giving us our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that whosoever believes in Christ receives him then he will not perish, but he will have eternal life. It's one of the most commonly cited scriptures, John 3, 16. Therefore, everyone that desires that citizenship must, if we recall that powerful sermon of Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he preached, and people that listened, many of them convicted themselves of their misdeeds. And they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And so having received Christ, does it end at that? Because if you look at the secular world, for instance, take sports. It is easier to be a champion. It is easier to win a World Cup. It is perhaps more difficult to defend it and to remain at that level. And so that is the challenge of the Christian who has achieved Christ. What then do we do? Let's see Colossians. Can somebody help me to read Colossians chapter 6, chapter 2 and verse 6? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. The Lord so walk ye in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thank you. 
So when we receive Christ, we have to remain steadfast in Him and walk with Him. The work has started. And so how do we do it? One of the ways is convince ourselves, present our bodies, present our whole self to Christ and die with Him daily so that we can also rise with Him. Let us look at Romans chapter 12. I want somebody to also read for me verses 1 and 2 of that Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. From verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. So we must present ourselves in our bodies and live in sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And importantly, we must also not conform to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds, knowing that on earth we just sojourn. We are like pilgrims. We are like strangers. And that is what I think convinced St. Paul when he counted all his exploits in the kingdom of God, his missionary activities, his writings, he's credited with writing most of the apostles, of, of the epistles, and he considered them all not. Because his focus was on knowing Christ. His focus was on being with Christ and attaining. He did not believe that he had already attained anything. He was always focused on being with Christ and facing the challenges of staying on and enduring till the end. We have read from these scriptures. If we go there, at the time St. Paul said, is it in boasting? Is it in trusting in the flesh? You know, St. Paul was an outstanding lawyer, Pharisee. He was circumcised if it comes to circumcision. St. Paul was also a Jew of the Roman stock, of the tribe of Benjamin and all. In terms of the law, he was then zealously persecuting the Christians before he met Christ. And the law made him blameless, even in that persecution. Those are chronicled in verses 4 to 8 of the passage that we read. Philippians chapter 3. So if it is to take pride in earthly status, in earthly trappings, in earthly possessions, in earthly achievements, I think that St. Paul was outstanding enough to have boosted in the flesh. But he realized 
that all these count not because of the sake of knowing Christ. So Paul declared that he had to give up a lot of things in order that he might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Go to verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. And so, amidst all this, Paul said, they count nothing. Can we say so? Counting our achievements, our possessions, our trappings, can we say that they mean nothing to us just for the sake of seeking Christ and knowing the power of his resurrection that I may know him? This is a man that was involved in many missionary activities, that was involved in, that wrote a lot of epistles, that committed himself to the service of Christ. Yet, he did not believe he had attained. In humility, Paul humbled himself and said, He has not even attained the height that it is a life of continuous struggle. To move on, to press on to higher grounds, to make greater exploitation, uh, I mean exploits, for the sake of Christ and the kingdom. It will take humility to do that. And I think that even sometimes among brethren, those who have attained certain heights in the work of the kingdom, Sometimes to be carried away as it were. But humility is a thing in short supply. And sometimes people perform miracles and it will seem as if it is by their own power and not by the power of God and His glory. Paul said he gave all things up. He has not attained anything that he will continue to strive. And to look forward to accomplishing more for the Lord. So the message today is that we must look up. Yes, we look up to our citizenship which is in heaven. We should not be satisfied with whatever achievements Whatever accomplishments that we have made and recorded, there is always room for improvement. In all humility, I take the case of the missionary activities of this church, led by our chaplain, Venerable Professor Samuel. He has tried to carry people along. So that we become missionaries, evangelists. We just came back from an outreach. And it is from one point onto another. And assignments are being taken on. So that the gospel will continue to be spread. So that we'll continue in the path until we get to the promised land. Which is the realization of our citizenship in heaven where we shall meet 
our Lord Jesus Christ. So the moment anyone fails, the moment we feel that we have attained the height, the very perfection, then that is the moment that we set into stagnation. And it can be a boring experience. Then we begin to brag of the exploits of the past. But Paul has said, the past I cannot know. The past is gone. We are focused on what is before us to continue in the work of the Lord. So, the plea is that we pray today that we may always reach forth so as to meet the next stage of our life in Christ, in Jesus' name. There is a great challenge from that passage. And that challenge is for all of us not to be counted among the many whom the Bible says are enemies of the cross. Verse 18 of Philippians chapter 3. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly or their stomach? Whose glory is in their shame? Who mind only earthly things? Verse 19. May not be our portion in Jesus' name. Now, many live as enemies of the cross. Their mind is focused on earthly things. As they seek earthly glory, they pursue earthly riches, wealth, at all costs. To the detriment of even their souls, they are oblivious of the fact that God sees all the happenings on earth. They are not even concerned about or bothered about the life hereafter. All their minds are focused on things here on earth. Even the idea of heaven to many seems a feature. Some people say there's no heaven. Let's even enjoy the earth, the one that we know about. So for you, therefore, dear brethren, you must recognize that your citizenship is in heaven. From hence, also we seek for the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are only strangers here on earth, just like pilgrims, and from this earth, we take our leave into taking up our glorious citizenship which is in heaven. So the challenge therefore is that we must look up and focus on God. No matter the vicissitudes of our times. No matter the threats of terrorism. No matter the tempestuous seas that we pass through. 
the Bible enjoins us to look up to things that are in heaven. If we look at Colossians chapter 3, particularly at verses 1 and 2, the emphasis is that if then we are raised with Christ, we should seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting in the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, and not on things on the earth. That is the commitment of the Christian. To look up, to count all these things a big loss. I tell you, a lot of billionaires, millionaires who have plenty of properties, plenty of things. Sometimes when they die, they don't even know how their acquired properties are disposed of. Sometimes their children are arms against one another, fighting over the properties, dissipating it. What their fathers or their mothers may have labored so much to build up. And so, are those enduring things that we must focus our minds? Knowing that we are strangers and we are pilgrims here and there. So we must seek to do only those things that will please our Lord Jesus Christ. And be ever conscious of our heavenly home. As Christians, we must be conscious of not just what we preach, but also what we do. Because a lot of the gospel is preached in our interpersonal relations with our friends, with our neighbors, with those who are not Christians. It is what we do that will give them the impetus to listen to us as we will want to preach to them. If our conducts are reprehensible, I tell you, the gospel will preach, will count, will amount to much. God forbid that it should be a portion in Jesus' name. Let us quickly read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Somebody read just the first two, two verses. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. So our focus should be on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He showed endurance in facing death on the cross. We must imitate him and show the same endurance without succumbing to, to distractions or things that hold us back. Brethren, nobody hopes to do a good race carrying excess luggage or saddled with heavy weight. And so even when people travel, it's advised that they travel light. And therefore, we must shed off 
a lot of this weight that prevent us from running a good race. Whatever they are, whatever worries they are, whatever sins they may be that ensnare us, we must cast them away and shed that. We must modify our earthly nature. As it said in Corinthians, I mean in Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, uh, verses 5 to 6, where it is said, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, and list them, some of them, morality, sexual immorality, impunity, lust, evil desires, and greed. For all these are idolatry. Look at what greed has done to us in our country, Nigeria. It is sad that, for instance, when somebody steals or mis- misappropriates 5,000 naira or 2,000 naira, he is quickly arraigned in court and is sentenced. He goes to jail. Some people who don't have anybody, for no fault of theirs, are picked up and dumped in jail and they stay there for years. Nobody talks for them. That the big man takes 500 billion naira. And he goes to court. Because he has not committed a capital offense, he has not killed anybody, the offense is bailable. He is granted bail. He carries his loot back. He uses it to buy himself into political positions. And there he stays to dictate public policy and to dominate public morality. Such is the place where we are. I am sure medical doctors and lawyers too who confront these cases are baffled about the increasing cases of defilement of infants of one year, two years, three years, seven years. They are defiled. Sometimes defiled in an incestuous way by their blood relations. We read in papers, some fathers rise against their daughters and want to sleep with them. It's all over the place. Rape is on the increase. And several other vices, and you begin to wonder, the challenges are too many for the Christian. And unless we are steadfast, we may also be carried in the frenzy. May God forbid it in Jesus' name. So we must continue to work on. We must continue to steady our course on the path of righteousness. Going forward. How do we do this? Some of the ways to help us achieve this is number one, through quiet times. Sometimes just do retreats. Our diocesan women president will say he's alone with God. Sometimes you have this quiet time and have the you know, a communion with God. Then there is the determination not to succumb to the trappings of the world and the temptings of the flesh. And this determination is reinforced by the fact that we know that Christ Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through who? Through Jesus Christ. The scriptures records it in John 14, verse 6.
There is also no other name on, given under, under heaven, given amongst men, by which man must be saved, except the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. When we know these things, we will convince ourselves that salvation cannot come through Mohammed. It cannot come through Confucius. It cannot come through Buddha. It cannot come through Amadioha. For those who believe in African traditional religion. It is only the name of Jesus Christ. And at his name alone, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a good assurance. And we must hold on to it. We must also continue our work through prayers. I am fascinated by the passage in Luke chapter 18. But we'll take only verse 1. I think we are familiar with this story. Where he says that men ought always to pray and not give up. You remember the lady that was going to the judge to vindicate her and all that. She never gave up. Even though the, the judge was a fierce one who had no regard for man and did not fear God. And yet, because she persisted, because she continued to press him. You know, she was uh, eventually attended. Hallelujah. Do we fast? Or at this seemingly grim and bitter moment with our economy, do we take starvation to mean fasting? Because there's a standard for fasting. If we go to Matthew chapter 6, from verses 16 to 18, we'll see when we fast, how we comport ourselves, how we meditate while fasting. It is not to be advertised to neighbors to see that we are fasting. In Acts 13, verses 2 to 3, we know that when the apostles, when they prayed, when they fasted and prayed, the Holy Spirit listened to them. Therefore directed that Paul and Barnabas be separated for the sake of the gospel that he moves forward. So it is by fasting, by praying, that we invite the Holy Spirit into our midst to intervene and to lead us on. Praise the Lord. We also need to study the scriptures read the Bible and meditate on the Bible. This is very popular and very, very interesting passage in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. They say we must meditate on the scriptures day and night and that it should not be kept away from us. And when we meditate and do it, we will have what? Good success. It is there. And in Psalm 119 and verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So if we have the word of God, we can always withstand the temptations of the flesh, the devil, and the world. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was tempted, was always citing the scripture, though it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, 
you must know the scriptures to always challenge the devil when he wants you to lure you into sin. Another important area is the fellowship of the brethren, as we are enjoined in Hebrews 10, verse 25. It is important. I must tell you, my dear brothers, that I am also guilty. I am not always at gatherings all the time. And sometimes I made a joke with our daddy, uh, Reverend Professor Nibwe, when I told him, sir, I am today early in church. And he said, yes, I thank God for you. It appears God is helping you. You know. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in this position. Church services, midweek services, outreaches, whatever it is, are we diligently following? Are we observing this? Do we have the African mentality. You know, the basic African man is that uh, if he's invited to an occasion, he does not go on time. He, he wants to wait till others have come so that he will an, ar- arrive and uh, his arrival will be heralded and announced you know, to, to, to um, pop up as it were his ego. May this not be a portion in Jesus' name. So whatever it is, whatever it is that is hindering us, we must stand fast in this race, in this heavenly pursuit. And if we look at the first verse of chapter 4 of Philippians, where we read, Philippians 4, chapter 1. Can somebody quickly read it for us, please? Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And long for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Praise the Lord. The word, the key word is steadfastness. The key word is faithfulness. As we received the messages this morning and as we prayed, let us remain steadfast. Let us remain faithful unto God. For his mercies never fail us. They are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. Finally, brethren, what is the conclusion of all this matter? What is the whole duty of man on earth? What as human beings is our gain at the end of all this? How do we assure ourselves, yes, we have done the will of God? We have done our duty unto God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 12, verses 13, and I dare add 14, he said the conclusion of the whole matter. Are we there? Can we go there together? Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, at verse 13, up to 14. Can we read together? Conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep its commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work 
into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Hallelujah. Finally, we must conclude. It is possible that in one way or the other, we have not fully been 100% in this struggle, 100% in this race. And so if there are areas in which we have come short of God's glory, if there are areas that we need to change in purpose, there is an assurance in the Bible and it's a passage that is dear to my heart. And we recite it at most times when we receive the communion. It is taken from First John 2, verse 1. It says, If every man sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The opportunity still is with us. We still have that opportunity of accessing the mercies, the throne of Christ, and looking up and being steadfast in the race that is set before us as it stands and men. Let us open up to Him. Let us take this decision, men and brethren. It is a personal one. The chaplain will not do that for your behalf. Your father will not do that. Your mother will not do that. Because it is a personal decision that we have to make. And so we must realize that it is not in earthly things, it is not in earthly achievements that we boast. It is not in flesh that we trust. Otherwise, the lights of St. Paul will not have said that he has not attained, that he is still wanting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So we must guard our loins and continue to fast in our days until we get to heaven where we have our citizenship and where we will meet the Lord our God who will transform our vile and lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. What an experience it will be. Praise the Lord. I will end with the song in the book that reminds us that we are pilgrims on the earth. We are strangers here.
gospel. Begin to talk to God about your life. Issue of citizenship is very fundamental. It is not what can be overlooked. It is something we need to continually re-examine ourselves and know whether we are currently standing as citizens. In the days of Ezra, there was a particular event that happened. They were children of priests, the children of Habia and Kos and Basile. They were supposedly children of priests. But when the register was opened, And their genealogy was searched for in the register of men. It, they were not found. And so they were now considered polluted and were put away from priesthood. If heaven's register is open today, Will your name be found? If something were to happen and suddenly your life came to an end, or the Lord Jesus appeared suddenly and the books are called for, you have lived as priests, sons of priests, because you are gathered in the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord is the habitation of the priests. We are all priests of God. But finally, when the books are opened, and your name is sought in that eternal register, Will it be there? If there is any uncertainty in your heart, begin to talk to God at this time. Tell him, Lord Jesus, I want my name in the book of life. I want an assurance that I'm yours. I desire to be yours and yours alone. I do not want to live this life without a reassurance that I'm yours. Come into my life. I give my life to you. Make me your own. 
Cry unto the Lord. It is a serious affair. Men labor to be citizens of great countries. They even go for lotteries. Per adventure, they will be chosen so that they can enter those nations. And when they enter, the people rejoice. What about the citizenship that will guarantee a life that is eternal? If at this time there is any uncertainty in your life or in your heart and you desire to become a citizen of heaven, we will want to pray with you. You are not sure you have given your life to Christ. Or you did at the time, but you are not sure of your present standing. We would like to pray with you. If you raise a hand, we will identify you. We want to give your life to Christ. It's a good time. Just raise a hand. And we shall pray with you. And there will be certainty. There will be reassurance. There will be covenanting. You need to give your life to Christ. Can I see the hand raised and raised very well so that I can see it? I thank God for that hand. Let it be raised well. Don't be ashamed. You are in the house of God. Praise God for that hand. Is there any other person? You need the assurance of salvation. Thank God for those hands. Now I want you to stand up where you are. I'm going to pray with you. Those of you who raised your hands, stand up where you are and I'll be praying with you. You need the assurance of salvation. You need a confirmation of salvation. Okay, kumen kai were chianya digi yula. Okay, kumen kai were chianya digi yula. Okay, kumen kai were chianya one at this time. The Lord is a rock to those who come to him. A rock that never fails. The one whose words can never, never fail.
When he saves, it is forever. When he rejects, it is permanent. It is a fearful thing to live within the church but without the Lord. We are given a final time before we pray because we know the importance of this decision. What citizenship do you belong to? Eternal Father, we thank you because of this time when, O Heavenly Father, the doors of heaven are still open and we can enter freely and obtain your citizenship. We pray for our brother that stands at this time that Lord you may forgive his sins and blot out his iniquities. That Lord you will remove his name from the book of death and write his name in the book of life. And Father, you will fill him with your spirit so that he will experience the new birth. Mighty and eternal King of glory, that you will sustain him in his race so that when the roll call of heaven is made at last, his name shall be seen in the book of life. Blessed be your most holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.